Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer. I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And my friends, one of my favorite plays of all time is a work entitled Twelve Angry Men. It has also been made into a movie at least two times that I am aware of. I really enjoyed that play for a couple of reasons. Number one, it has 12 wonderful parts for men. There really isn't a bad part to be had unless you happen to be the bailiff who simply gets to stick his head in the door every now and then. And secondly, it is a fascinating study of anger. Anger is one of those emotions that everyone is going to experience at one time or another. And it is important to realize that not all anger is wrong or sinful. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26, the Apostle Paul wrote, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Actually, if all anger were wrong, then God would be guilty of wrong. There are a number of verses that speak of God's anger. I'll refer to just one of them. In Numbers 11 and verse 10, we are told, Then Moses heard the people weep throughout their families, every man in the door of his tent. And the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly. Moses also was displeased. There are several important principles that it would be good for all of us to learn when it comes to dealing with anger. We must learn to deal with anger, first of all, without sinning. Learn to deal with it in a way that does not destroy us from the inside out. And we must learn what to be angry about. In other words, we need to learn what is worth being angry over and what is not. In this study, it is the last point upon which I want to focus. We're going to be looking at three angry men. These were three individuals who were really mad. And each one of them got all worked up about something different yet related to the same thing. All three of them are found in 2 Kings 5. We'll start by turning to 2 Kings 5 and look at the first angry man. He is Jehoram, king of Israel, and we will read about him in the first seven verses. 2 Kings chapter 5 verses 1 through 7 reads as follows. Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God that my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. And one went in and told his lord, saying this, Thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. 
And the king of Syria said, Go to, go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, and six thousand pieces of gold, and ten changes of raiment. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, Now when this letter is come unto thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee, that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. And it came to pass when the king of Israel had read the letter, that he rent his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive, that this man doth send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore consider, I pray you, see how he seeks a quarrel against me. This is a really interesting situation. The great captain of the host of the Syrian army, Naaman, went into Samaria seeking the prophet of God in order that he might be cured of his leprosy. Probably even the little children who may be listening at this time are aware of this story. The Syrian king, who at that time was a man named Ben-Hadad, sent a letter to the king of Israel on behalf of Naaman. It appears evident and reasonable to me that Ben-Hadad assumed that if Jehoram, the king of Israel, had a man in his land who could cure someone of the dreaded disease of leprosy, he would know about it and be in a position to immediately send for the man upon the arrival of Naaman and Ben-Hadad's letter. He even sent a large amount of precious metals and gifts of clothing for the purpose of either securing the services of this prophet who could heal or to sweeten the request he was making of Jehoram. It is unusual because Israel and Syria were not exactly on the best of terms at that time. Jehoram's initial reaction was one of anger. The rending of his clothes was an expression of it and of despair. He was convinced that Ben-Hadad was trying to seek a fight with him, that he was trying to find an occasion to quarrel against Israel, because as far as Jehoram was concerned, he was asking him to perform an impossible task. The king of Israel did not think of Elisha. No, he immediately jumped to the conclusion that Ben-Hadad was looking for trouble. But he had misjudged him, at least about this. Jehoram was mad. His blood pressure was probably up. He had ruined a good set of clothes and all because he drew a wrong conclusion. It is amazing when you think of the insight that Jehoram credited himself with. He evidently thought that he had the ability to read the minds of other men and to know what their motives were. But rather than having such insight, Jehoram was a man filled with a lack of trust, both of his fellow man and of God. There certainly are some simple lessons to be learned from the actions of Jehoram. We can see that he was foolish to react in such a manner before he knew the whole matter. But there is a real tendency to act that way among a lot of us. It is easy sometimes to fill our minds with unfounded suspicions, confident that we know about another person's motives when we really don't, assigning to a comment or action a significance that wasn't really there. And before we know it, we make ourselves mad without any legitimate reason. Jehoram was guilty of unjust and unfair judging. It reminds me of what James wrote in James chapter 4 and verse 11. James wrote, Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaks evil of his brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. 
But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. Jehoram could have and should have reacted a better way. He was angry, not because Naaman or the king of Syria had done anything wrong. He was angry because he jumped to an unwarranted conclusion. Let's go back to 2 Kings 5 and look at the second angry man, Naaman. We'll pick up the more well-known part of the story by looking at verses 8 through 12. There we find, And it was so, when Elisha, the son of the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot, and stood at the door of the house of Elijah. And Elijah sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth, and went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not Abinar and Farpar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. Naaman had come to be healed of his leprosy, an awful disease, a flesh-devouring disease, and one to be greatly dreaded. He was a great man as the world views greatness, a man of power and wealth, but we can imagine how his leprosy stained his life. The misery and the stigma of this terrible disease was with him night and day. Elisha had the solution. Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. What a simple solution. Maybe it didn't make sense to Naaman, but it certainly wasn't a difficult thing to do. But Naaman reacted with anger. Why? What was the cause of his anger? Several things come to mind. First, he had a preconceived notion about what was going to happen. He thought the prophet would do some spectacular thing. And if it wasn't going to be some spectacular thing, and all he had to do was essentially dip seven times in the river, why did it have to be the Jordan River? They had rivers back in Syria that were a whole lot better than the Jordan River as far as Naaman was concerned. He turned and went away in a rage. Naaman was angry, that much is clear. But there was no legitimate reason for his anger. He was angry at the command and by implication angry at Elisha who gave the command and by further implication, although he was not aware of it, angry at the God who had chosen to heal him in this way. There was no legitimate cause for his anger, but there was a cause. His anger was the result of his pride. What a destroyer pride can be. Proverbs 16 and verse 18 tells us, Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Naaman would rather have his leprosy and keep his pride than have to humble himself and be healed of leprosy. In the same way, some would rather have their sin, stay angry for no cause, and retain their pride than to humble themselves and repent. Thankfully, Naaman had servants with a better understanding of what was truly important than his master had. 
verses 13 and 14 of Second Kings 5 tells us, And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather than when he saith to thee, Wash and be clean? Then went he down, dipped himself even seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh became again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. The third angry man was Jehazi, the servant of Elijah. Let's read now verses 15 through 20 of Second Kings 5. There the Bible tells us, And he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and came and stood before him. And he said, Behold, now I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Now, therefore, I pray thee, take a blessing of thy servant. But he said, As the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive none. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. And Naaman said, Shall there not then, I pray thee, be given to thy servant two mules' burden of earth? For thy servant will henceforth offer neither burnt offering nor sacrifice unto other gods, but unto the Lord. In this thing the Lord pardon thy servant, that when my master goeth into the house of Rimon to worship there, and he leaneth on my hand, and I bow myself in the house of Rimnon, when I bow myself down in the house of Rimnon, the Lord pardon thy servant in this thing. And he said unto him, Go in peace. So he departed from him a little way. But Gehazi, the servant of Elijah, the man of God, said, Behold, my master has spared Naaman the Syrian in not receiving at his hands that which he brought. But as the Lord lives, I will run after him and take something of him. As we look at Jehazi, he seems to be angry about two things. He was angry at the Syrian for receiving the blessing of God, and he's angry at Elisha for refusing to accept payment of any kind from Naaman. Indeed, Jehazi seems just to be mad all over but it is apparent that he is angry because of his grief. He was a covetous man, and he resented those who were not covetous. He sees his master as being a fool for taking nothing, and he says, As the Lord lives, I'll run after him and take somewhat of him. Well, the Lord does live, and that is what Jehazi ultimately had to face. This man was angry, and his anger led him to lie. In verse 22, he told Naaman, All is well. My master has sent me, saying, Behold, even now there may become to me from Mount Ephraim two young men of the sons of the prophets. Give them, I pray thee, a talent of silver and two changes of garments. That was certainly not true. His anger caused him to steal. He took the silver and the garments from Naaman under false pretenses. It caused him to lie again. In verse 25, when Elijah asked him, Whence cometh thou, Jehazi? He said, Thy servant went not hither. And his anger led him to some awful consequences. In verse 27, we find, The leprosy therefore of Naaman shall cleave unto thee and unto thy seed forever. And he went out from his presence, a leper as white as snow. All three of these men had something in common. They were all angry, but not because others had truly done wrong. 
They were angry because of their own faults. They were angry because each was lacking in character in some way and failed to submit totally to God. Maybe we should examine ourselves when we get angry. Yes, we might get mad, maybe even real mad at other people. It happens sometimes. But why? Is the real cause of my anger something in them? Something that they have actually done? Or could it perhaps be something in me? There are times when anger is justified, although sin never is. But there are also times when anger overflows from a disobedient heart, a heart filled with suspicion, pride, and covetousness. Let's close this with James chapter 1, verses 19 through 20. James wrote, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Be ye angry, and let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Words to think about. Thanks for listening.